Well, you guys can grab a seat. Um, kids can head off to classes. Uh, due to the nature of today's conversation, I, I've, we've, we've emailed out to all the parents that have uh, kids, and then also some of you have shown up today. Uh, the content at which where we are in the scripture is going to be a little bit more graphic in its, in its nature, so I'm not going to hold back. So that being said, uh, those of you that have teenagers or kids in here, I think it is absolutely fine that they're in here. My encouragement to you teenagers, and even, I guess, college students as well, if you hear something today that you're like, wow, I didn't, I don't necessarily know what that means, or I'm struggling with that, I would encourage you to have a conversation with someone older, either your parent or mentor, or someone safe to have that conversation with. Um, if you have uh, kids in here and you're like, well, I'm not sure I want them to, to necessarily hear it first from you, but I would rather listen to the podcast and then have the conversation with them on an individual level, that is absolutely fine too. I'm going to pray here, and then we're going to just jump in. We have a lot, a lot to cover, and um, it is going to be um, a doozy, I guess. God, thank you for um, today. Thank you for your word. God, it is uh, uh, just, uh, at times it's hard to commit ourselves to just continuing to teach through your word. We come to sections of scripture like today where they're just difficult. The, the, the world and the culture has twisted and distorted and um, just brought about a, a subject that is something that could be a very beautiful and good thing and, and made it just such an ugly and sinful thing, God. And so I, I confess my, my inability at times to, to even want to have these kind of conversations or want to say these things. So God, I pray that you would follow me in a way you never have before, God, that there wouldn't be a single word I use or phrase I use or tone I use that gets in the way of what your Spirit's trying to do in the individuals of every single person in here, God. You are good, you are gracious, your word is good and true, and we submit ourselves completely to it, and that is why we are here today, God. And so we thank you for, for what you're doing. We thank you for the truth of your scripture, and God, I pray, that, um, I pray that you would just be made much of today in everything we say and do. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 3. If you don't have your Bibles, just slip your hands up. The ushers will grab them for you. Feel free to look on it at a, uh, on your cell phone or wherever else you need it if you have a device. We're going to read through a lot of scripture today. I'm actually not going to have most of them on the um, on the screen, actually, so I would recommend if you're a note taker or if you want to, like, create the notes page on your phone or pull out your pen and get ready just to write them down and get to them. Ephesians 5, chapter 3, if you remember right now, verses 1 and 2 were the, were the kind of the hinge point of what's been happening through all of chapter 4 and into the rest of chapter 5, where we were told last week specifically to be imitators of God. That our standard of living, our, our reaction, our, what, we're go- what our goal is, isn't what someone else may do, but it's what, what Jesus Christ has done. It's who he is. And so our standard is this. And so what we've been doing through the chapter four is we've been seeing, okay, here's, here's a picture of old self and here's a picture of new self. And we, he's been pleading and, and urging and, and, and challenging and admonishing the, 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 the Ephesian believers to, to follow and surrender God as the new self, as the new creation that we already are. Remember, we, we, are, we are told to walk. It's as we go. And so when we hit a section of scripture like this and we start talking about some of the other things, he's going he's gonna to lay out a number of lists, actually six specifically things that, that, would, that would be characteristics of the old self. Six things that, that all of us have experienced or dealt with or, or struggled with or are continuing to struggle or battle with. And so let's just read the scripture and then we'll get into it. Um, verses 3 through 14 is where we are. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not ha- even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish t- talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. 
Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And so as we get into this, this set of scripture, we see um, the, the very kind of long list at the beginning of sexual immorality, um, impurity, and covetousness, which is also idolatry. Um, we see foolish talk or, or crude joking. And so we see all these specific things. And so before I got into this scripture specifically, I wanted to, to redefine sex for us. And the reason why is I think that a lot of us, if we go back to the beginning of Genesis, um, we, we see that God created everything. Okay, and we, we, we think of the, the physical aspects of what he created, but I think a lot of us operate at a level as though he created us, but everything that we do was kind of something that we just kind of stumbled upon as a people. Everything that, that came about and, and, and the way it is is something that we just kind of figured out, either perfect, perfected or perverted, and that it wasn't actually created by God. And so there was a list that, that I'm going to adapt a little bit from another pastor that I heard about what what the, what the Bible specifically created sex for. And I feel like if we're going to understand what sexual morality and purity and some of those other things look like, we need to understand specifically why sex was created and what it was created for. In fact, really, honestly, if, if you can just think with me for one second, everything goes back to the created order. Like, specifically, the reason that we are the way we are, that, 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 we are, that, that we've been given the opportunities that we've been given was because God, at, at his at his timing, at his place, at his, in his creation, he created us. He created you and me. He created us for a purpose, for a goodness. He has created us to, to do um, beautiful things for his glory. And so what, what, is, what is comical is that I think a lot of times because we believe he created us, when it comes to something like sex, we feel like we've, we're the ones that have, have figured that out. We have to understand that actually there's, there's six things. We're going to look at them right here. Six, six different ways in which, um, or six things that sex was created for. And so we're going to define those and then we'll get into the scripture. See, because I think a lot of times, um, some of you specifically, if you have a fundamentalist background, you've been raised that sex is dirty and bad and ugly and gross. Right? And you, you, you've been told this your whole life. And so you've been trying to abstain and fight and fight. It's gross. It's dirty. It's dirty. It's dirty. It's gross. And then you get married. And it's like, okay, now have fun. And it's a really easy switch for males, <laughs> a lot harder for females. And, 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 and for us, the issue is, is that even though maybe it's been fear as parents or pastors in the past to just say, well, sex is dirty, so stay away from it. But re- the reality is sex is, was created by God, and it's good, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing. But in a room this size, the problem is we have people in here that have, have both experienced sex or haven't. We have people that have been abused people maybe that are struggling with same-sex attraction. We have all kinds of different walks of life in this. And so when we come to a subject like this, I think the best thing we can do before we even go any further is define what God really intended it for initially. And so there's six things, six specific things that the Bible um, says that sex was created for. Um, the number one, the first one is, is for pleasure. I actually don't have a scripture specifically, but just read the whole book of Song of Solomon, okay? You guys will get that. Like, you know, you're... Your breasts are like clusters of fruit. I'll climb that tree and take, take hold. That's in there, okay? <laughs> right? So it's in the Bible. <laughs> so Scripture, this is, this is very, very important for us because the world will tell you that, that, this, that sex is something that we need to be casual and do so that we can have the pleasure. 
But actually, pleasure in sex was created by God. Let me, let me just say this really clearly. God created the clitoris. It serves no other purpose but pleasure. We didn't stumble on that. It's there because God decided very, very be at the beginning that sex is supposed to be enjoyable. It's for pleasure. He created that. He created sex so we can enjoy it. And sex is meant to be enjoyed in the created order, both male and female, in the likeness of God, in a covenantal marriage. So when the world tells you, well, if you want to really know if you're compatible with someone, well, just have sex and see if it's really, really good. You have to understand that, that sex was meant to be good, and sex is good, and it was meant to be pleasurable. So when we, when we have this, and I want, I want to speak really clearly, married people, if you think sex is still dirty, you're, you're, you're missing the point. It was, it was created for pleasure. You can, you, can, you can see that in the scriptures. Second thing that, that, that sex was created for was for children. We see that in Genesis 1.28. The Catholicism is, for some reason, taught that that's the only reason why, why sex was created. They, I don't know where they got that. But Genesis 1.28 tells us to be fruitful and multiply. And so we are, we are seeing that. Psalms tells us that a quiverful is a blessing from God. So yes, sex is for children, too. Sex was created for children. It was for pleasure. We also see that sex was given as oneness. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his, mother, his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This two becoming one flesh is, is, is where we get this word dode. It's a Hebrew word. That's, it's, the, it's the mingling of souls. So when, when we have casual sex, we're, we're fighting against the mingling of souls. When, when, we, when, we, when we enter into a sexual relation with someone outside of the confines of a covenantal rela- uh, marriage between a man and a woman before God, we are mingling the souls. We're mingling the souls and that we're doing something that it was not created to be done. We're, we're, we're mucking up what God has created. So sex is for pleasure. Sex is for children. Sex is for, for oneness. And Jesus said, every wedding I do, the, the two now become one flesh. You're no longer two separate individuals. You are one person. The culture continues to, to just minimize and lessen. Oh, no, 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 that doesn't really matter. You can do this without really becoming one. That is a lie. That is a lie. Sex is for oneness. We also see that sex is... Is, is for knowledge. Um, Genesis 4.1 says, Adam knew Eve, his wife. He knew her, and she conceived, conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. We can't have sex with, with someone without knowing and trusting them. And, and many of you will argue, like, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, I can. No, no, you can't have sex the way God defined it to be. You may be able to pull your pants down and do something with someone else that doesn't mean anything, but that's not the way that God created it. God created sex for, for us to be known. And so what happens is you're no longer just having sex with a body or a person. You're having a sex with a soul that you're, you're mingled together where you can know and trust and it's safe and it's vulnerable. This is why any of you and every single one, if I had a show of hands that have had any form of some, some slight aspect of sexual relationship that has pulled, you felt a tearing. It's hurt. And if you haven't felt it yet, you will. If you're not married yet and you get married, you'll feel it there too. Sex was, was created to be known. You want to you experience intimacy, not just pleasure, but intimacy. It's, it's, it's in the confines of a marriage between a man and a woman covenantally set before God to be known. We can let our guards down because we know that in sex we're known. Um, sex was also uh, created for protection. Okay? 
sex security protection. We see this in, in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, 5. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife or her, her, his wife her conjugal rights. And likewise, the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. There is a desire in us to be sexual. It was created by God. There's a desire in us. And so this, this scripture right here, the Apostle Paul is telling him, like, look, because of your lusts, because of your struggle, like, marry so that you don't, so that you don't give in to that lust. Marry, stop playing house and pretending like it's okay. Marry, feel the protection of that. I, I think it's worth saying this, is some of you, you're married couples right now, you're, you're depriving one another of sex. You're blaming it on, on past issues, although there may be some absolutely hard past issues, but you're depriving one another. You're, 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 you're separating what sex was created for, the protection of the marriage. And instead, you're, you're leaving room for wandering eyes. You're leaving room for the enemy to tempt your husband or your wife. This is specifically what this means is that we do not use sex as a way to manipulate or control one another. In, in a marriage relationship, we gladly give it to one another because it's beautiful and it was designed to be so. So sex is, is for pleasure. Sex is for children. Sex is for oneness. Sex is for knowledge, and sex is for protection. And the last one is sex is for comfort. Um, 2 Samuel 12, 24, David comforted his wife Bathsheba. Now, <laughs> if you know any of the story about David and Bathsheba, like the fact that Bathsheba is even his wife is, is evidence that God's grace is absolutely amazing, right? Because Bathsheba was someone else's wife. But how did, how did David comfort her? He went into her and lay with her. She bore a son, and she called his name Solomon. See, what, what's, what's happening is as I am known and she is known, we love each other, one another at the soul level, so there's comfort in being together. Sex is, is, is supposed to be comfortable. So this means for, for, for some of you, you, you married folks, and we'll get to this in a little bit, you're pushing each other past the boundary that there's comfort because of something maybe distorted that you've seen, whether it was in pornography or, or in a movie or whatever else, you just kind of let your imagination run with it. That's not comforting. Sex is meant to be comforting. comforting. To, to truly know someone, and let me just say this, as someone that had sex before marriage, it, is, it, is, it robs you of so much. It robs you of so much. And, and let, me, let me just say this, well, okay, well, I'm not having sex, I'm just fooling around. Well, let me tell you right now, that's robbing you of so much of what the intimacy is supposed to be had in marriage. This, this, this casual flippancy that we walk around culture expecting that like, oh, sex can just happen wherever we want, or we can just fool around or, or grope each other or, or make out whatever we want, whenever we want. Is, is, is foolishness. It's a lie. When you look at the fact that, that, that sex was created by God for purposes for us to both enjoy and experience, to live in, in, in light of the comfort of a marriage relationship. Every single married person in here that has experienced some form of sexual immorality before marriage will tell you it affects your marriage. God is amazingly gracious and he can restore that, but it's hard. It's very, very hard and very difficult. And so if you just assume college students in here, you're like, well, I'm just kind of fooling around. I'll, I'll get serious about that when I find the one. Or once, since I found the one, I'm just going to keep fooling around until we, you know, we really become the one. You're, you're, you're bringing about baggage and damage and, like, and pain into your soul. Sex was created for these six things. 
it is important for us to understand this, that sex was not a mistake. It's not like God was up there going, okay, let's see here. I need them to make babies somehow. Well, let's just throw that in like he had some template he needed to pull from. Right? Like, think about this. God created everything out of nothing. He could have created it a totally different way if he wanted to. He could have said, you know what? No, we're not going to do this whole sex thing because it's just going to get distorted. So I'm just going to do the whole stork thing. So babies are showing up on the storks, okay? We laugh, but seriously, if God had created that, that would have been all we had known. It's not like he was, he was pulling off the shelf. Well, for this world, what should we do? Jesus, Holy Spirit. And they were arguing about what they should do. Well, you know, let's, let's pull this. Oh, orgasm. Let's pull this one off. Like, no. He literally created all of this for a purpose. And everything he created is what? Good. Good. So sex is good. He created it. And this is, this is so important for us to understand because as we get look to looking at the distortion, we have to understand that it is just that, a distortion of what is good. So when we come to Scripture and it starts confronting us on our everyday actions and things that we are struggling with or wrestling with, if we don't realize that there is a way for this to be 100% good in the way it was created, then we will always assume that this distorted, deprived way at which we do it is the way that we have to operate in it. Everything, and I mean everything, outside of God's design. No matter how much we say we love, no matter how much... Um, we do it out of the guise of understanding is a perversion to God's truth. Let me just say that very clearly. Any sexual relationship outside of a man and woman in marriage, covenantal marriage before God, is a perversion to the truth. No matter how much we guise it behind love or acceptance or pleasure or whatever it may be, it is a distortion to the way that God created it. All right, let's get into the text. So uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. Illicit sexual activity um, was an enormous problem in, in Gentile uh, believers in this time. They were still, at the time when they were coming to faith in Ephesus and the surrounding areas, they were, um, they were still doing all sorts of adult, adulterous sleeping around um, temple prostitutes, um, incest sex. I mean, there was, there was all kinds of kind of gross sexual things that kind of worked its way into these, these new believers into the church. And so when the Apostle Paul's speaking here, he's not just speaking out of some like, well, okay, we should just try not to do this. It was, it was something that people were literally struggling with. They were sleeping with their slave girls, prostitutes, um, sexual encounters in the temples, homosexuality. All of these were a part of everyday life. That were, that were, there was no kind of not acceptable moral standards to this stuff. It was just kind of rampant. This is just what was expected to happen. And so, so as Apostle Paul comes in and says, now, but sexual immorality and all purity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Well, what is he talking about? So I want to I specifically talk about these words because a lot of times we will lump these specific words into different aspects of things. But he's, he's actually using these words very clearly. Sexual immorality is um, a term that's mostly translated fornication. Okay? So it's, it's anything... It, it, it could be it, like primarily a consensual sexual relationship outside of marriage, and that could be the fornication, but it also is not limited to that. It's also um, maybe a good way to understand it is um, it includes premarital sex, um, adultery, Matthew 19.9, sex with a prostitute, 1 Corinthians 6.12, Hosea 1, homosexuality, Romans 1.29, incestuous relationships, 1 Corinthians 5.1. Jesus spoke of sexual immorality as one of the evils that flows from a corrupt heart. Mark 7 and Matthew 19, or Matthew 15. Paul lists it as one of the deeds of the flesh, Galatians 5, 19. The apostolic decree also is, it says it's closely associated with idolatry in Acts 15, 20. And so we, we see that sexual immorality kind of covers just a number of things that are out there. 
But I want to talk about a few of them specifically. First off, I want to I talk about um, premarital sex. And the reason I want to talk about that is because, let's be honest, that the church as a whole, for the most part, says that premarital sex is okay. In fact, it, most of us just kind of rest under the idea like, well, I'll be forgiven, and so we just do it. The scriptures are actually very clear. In fact, this word pornea is where we get our word pornography. We'll talk about that in just a second. Don't worry. The, 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 this word specifically is used alongside of adultery by Jesus. So a lot of people would love to use this word as just as if it's speaking of adultery, which Jesus, by the way, said like when we look at someone lustfully, not even the physical act of doing it. But, but it, we, we can understand this to also mean premarital. In John 8, Jesus is in a heated conversation with uh, the uh, Pharisees, and they're going back and forth, and he finally pushes their buttons hard enough that they, they literally utter, like, well, at least we're not born of fornication. And the reason why is because everyone understood that Jesus was born from Mary and Joseph who, well, you know, she got pregnant before they were married. They're saying we were not born of, of, of this, you know, this premarital sexual relationship. So we're, we're holier than you are, Jesus. They resorted to name calling. Premarital sex is sexual immorality. Premarital sex is, even, let me just say it this way. I do a lot of weddings. Even... Even when you're engaged, oh, we're going to be so married soon. Well, that's interesting. Has the covenant begun? No, it hasn't. Has, has, the, has the one flesh actually happened, even though you maybe physically are acting like it has? No, it hasn't, because the covenantal relationship before God has not been sealed. Similar to us not being sealed with the Holy Spirit, then we're not following Jesus Christ. There is a moment when this happens. So, so sexual Im immorality would include adultery. So let me say this as well. So fornication, premarital sex. Those of you that are continuing to operate as if you can, you know, you know, drink the milk before you buy the cow or whatever the statement is, right? Like however you want to operate in that way, it's sinful. It's not the way that God created it to happen. And it will have lasting, negative, ugly, horrifying implications on your marriage. That God's grace is sufficient for it. Let me tell you, 11 years married next week, right? God has redeemed so much of Jen and I's story, but there's still so much pain because of our choices prior to marriage with other individuals. It is, it is, it is painful. And, and I, you know, I, I feel old in saying this, but don't do it. If you haven't yet, praise God that you haven't yet. Not because it's gross or bad or ugly, because it's beautiful. And you're going to get to experience it at the way he created to do so. And trust me, there is nothing better than that. I know a few couples that have been able to do that. It is absolutely amazing. Doesn't mean perfect. Some of you are like, why well, wait and it's still horrible? Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of work in that. There's a lot of selfishness that has to die when it comes to this stuff. Uh, sexual immorality can also include pornography and is pornography. In fact, the word pornea is where we get our word pornography from. Let me just, let me just, I, there's so much, so much to say about pornography. First off, I'm going to put a link up on the screen right here for you. Uh, it's, it's, a triple X church is a church that works uh, specifically with trying to fight um, pornography. They have a free, I don't even know how many days it is. I'm like eight days into it. It's really, really good resource to work through kind of uh, eliminating porn from your life. And so I, uh, Danny had mentioned it was awesome. So I printed it out and I've been using it. It's, it's fantastic. So I'm just gonna leave that up there. If you need to take your phone and take a picture of it, so you have that link, great, do it. In fact, just let me just say this right now. Every single person, whether or not you think you're struggling with it or not, should take a picture of this. It's a great resource to use for everyone. So just all of you take your phones out, write your pens down, write it down. Like no one's going to be like, whoa, they're struggling. Like trust me, it's awesome. Do it, okay? And we're just going to leave that up here while I'm talking about this. Uh, pornography is, is, um, is disgusting. Let me just say it that way. It is, it is, I'm going to sit down, sorry. Um, <laughs> should I smile? Sorry. Uh, no, uh, 
pornography is, is, is a distortion at the worst level of what sexuality is supposed to be. I mean, let me, let me just say this. And, and some of you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak at different groups here, okay? I would love to make this just a male issue, but it's something like 30 or 40% of women now today say they're struggling with pornography. The, the statistics are ridiculous. It's above 95 or 94% or whatever it is that basically say that anyone that is in and, 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 and operating in pornography have been sexually abused. Like, how? Like, it should break your heart. Right? Those, those, those 2D images that you stare at at night while your beautiful bride is in bed is someone's daughter. What? It is gross. And what scares me is so many of us in this room are struggling with this. Uh, there's, a, there's a peer desire group that has a test, and I can't remember the name of the test of it. I'll get it for next service. But essentially, there's this test that talks about are you addicted to pornography? And one of the things that was um, comical, the, the gentlemen that were in this class that were telling me about this is that most people wouldn't identify themselves as addicted to pornography, but yet when you take the test, almost every single person is. And let me just say this. I'm going to hit the one cycle that they use, which I was like, oh, that's brilliant. It's called the binge cycle where you're like, I'm not going to do that anymore. You did it last night on the computer. You're like, that's it. I feel guilty. I feel shame. I'm not going to do that anymore. And you make it like three weeks, four weeks without, and then you do it again. That is a form of addiction. It's a binge cycle. You are addicted to it. You are struggling with it. So you're like, well, I'm not addicted to it. I can, you know, I can watch whatever I want. I watch those movies all the time. No. You know what? You can't. Let me just say this right now, because what you're doing is you're saying that, that those individuals that are performing for you are there for your selfish desires. Instead of sacrificing yourself, instead of sacrificing yourself saying, well, I'm going to abstain from this or I'm going to withhold even though I desire this, you let them sacrifice themselves for your pleasure. Like there is nothing except for selfishness, selfishness, selfishness that comes out of pornography. You, you literally can't say, let me just say this right now, and just to push a little harder, you can't say you hate sex trafficking and be enjoying porn. Because the standards around the world are not the way they are in the United States. And so most of those people in pornography that you're watching are slaved. They're enslaved in this and they're forced to do so. And so to, to say that I hate this, but I operate in this, it's, it's, it's just a lie. I, I have a definition. Actually, it came out of that study thing. It was great. A definition for porn. You ready for this? Um, anything you use, watch, read, hear, or imagine that is used to elicit sexual arousal outside of your spouse. Anything. What is it? It's the, like the, the, what is it, like 52 shades of gray that's coming out? I don't even know what it is, right? It's like the next version of a book. I, I, I bet a number of people would be embarrassed to raise their hand that they read that probably in here. What makes you think that that's not porn? Romance novels? And I have a good friend that has been like amazingly, her and her husband, working through the fact that they struggled with romance novels. And she said, it started there and then it worked into online chats. So I had, I had Tinder is apparently a thing where you can do this. This is crazy. Like there's, there is, there's a website that was created. I can't remember the name of it. The website that was created that if you want to figure out how to cheat on your spouse without getting caught, here's the website to go to. This, this is a mess. Again, it is, it is selfishness to leave your, for those of you that are married, to leave your wife who's sleeping in bed and then go, go get aroused by a 2D image, either in a movie or on a, on a computer screen or in a magazine, Pornography is, is, is killing, killing the marriage. College students, they're like, well, I'm not married yet. Yeah, good luck quitting that habit when you get married. Let me guess, you're probably thinking, well, I'll just get all the sex I want in my life, so it'll be really easy, huh? That's probably what some of you college students are thinking. Uh, that's not how it works, because sex is not about satisfying you. Sex is about doing what God created you to do. 
which is oneness, comfort, love. Pornography is, is destroying it. And so this is one resource. There's a Pure Desire group. We're actually looking at getting a couple individuals in the church um, certified in doing this as well to start putting these out. But there are a number of resources to help with pornography. And let me just, let me just say this really clear. You will not stop your struggles with pornography on your own. You won't. You need other individuals. You need the Spirit of God to work. Maybe someone's like, man, the Spirit of God just freed me, and so maybe that was too drastic of a statement. But I've yet to meet any individual that I've had in conversations where like, oh, yeah, I totally got it. I'm like just the strongest dude ever. I got it figured out. I lift like twice a week or something. You know, like it's like they, like, they, they, they feel like they have it figured out. Trust me, you will not do it. And here's, here's, here's what the enemy's going to lie to you. You ready? Let me, let me tell you right now. If you're married, the enemy's going to say your wife can't handle this. You know what? It's going to be really hard for her to hear this. Really hard. But that's a lie. If your wife is submitted to the Lord, then she can handle this. It's painful, but your enemy, the enemy's going to tell you, don't, don't, don't tell anyone. Your parents, they'll blow up on you. You know what? They may, but it's better them, them blowing up on you than you blowing up yourself in marriage and everything else. The lie is that, that people won't be able to walk with you in this. You'll make a mistake. and oh, yeah, there you are. You're just that, you know, there you are, that person. I guess as we talk about pornography, I should, I should talk about masturbation as well. Um, there's, there's always this common question that happens around the church. Specifically, can you masturbate um, if you're not looking at porn or anything else? And it's like, well, okay. I mean, I guess in theory, if you were literally capable of masturbating without any thought process coming to your mind at all, then I, I mean, I, I guess it's just the physical act of something happening. But I would love to know, like, how many people are really good at that. Like, I mean, like, seriously, like, how many are not aroused by something they saw earlier in the day and then are finishing it later on in the shower or in the bathroom or in bed. Hey, masturbation is a distortion. In fact, you know, there's physical things. If you want to know unmarried people, like the more you masturbate, the more it affects your sexual ability with your wife later on. Like it, it, destro- it just destroys it. So, so, so as, we, as we do this, as we, as we see these, we're, we're triggering, we're saying to ourselves that my way Making myself happy is what's most important. And you're doing it at the cost of everyone around you. So, pornography, premarital sex, online chats. Um, another one, I want to just say this, just fooling around. You know, like, oh, we didn't have sex. We just, you know, just some heavy petting, you know, whatever base you want to call it. I don't even know what base is, third base, second base, whatever it is. I didn't play baseball. I sucked at it. So, um, like, whatever it is, we're, we're just fooling around. You're, you're messing around with someone else's wife or husband. You ever think about that? Like, as a dad with three daughters right now, like, I swear, like, you want to know what puts me in prison? It's people messing with my daughters. I'm telling you right now, like, if the call comes in, it's like, oh, someone did something to one of Bren's daughters. Knew it. Like, I need God's grace more than ever in that area. Like, you, you're just fooling around? My wife was, was talking to our kids and talking about a kiss is, 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 a, is a portion of your heart being taken from your husband and given to that person. Every physical act you do is taking from them. And I don't care if you're like, we love each other so much, we're going to get married. Well, then great. There's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Just hold on, dude. You're close. It's not some arbitrary date, like someday, 10 years from now, I'll get married. No, it's like, hey, this could happen any day. This is you know, we're a year away. Great. Hold, keep in your pants. You get six months, a year, whatever it is. Uh, the Apostle Paul turns from this and goes into filthy talk, crude jokes, um, or flippancy. Uh, I wanted to talk about this too because it's, it's some, some scholars believe that the filthy jokes or the filthy talk is, as, is actually just, just speaking to the way we talk. I think it actually has, definitely applies to that, but I think it actually um, is 
uh, more in line with saying that it's, uh, our words often reflect both, um, both reflect our heart and, and affect our heart. So it's, it's degrading or disgraceful talk. Um, filthy talk is, is the fact that Paul um, is saying this. He's, he's basically saying that anything that is, is, is degrading or disgusting that comes out of our mouth, if we're imagining it, joking about it, or crudely discussing it, we're headed in the wrong direction. Our heart is creeping closer to sin, not fleeing it in the opposite direction. Crude sexual talk, humor, innuendo, flirtation, lower our defenses, and heighten our temptations. Paul's charge is clear. Don't do it, and don't even think about doing it. Don't even talk about doing it. So he goes into this flippancy, and, and flippancy is one of those things where I think that actually is what's taken hold of this, is that we've just assumed it's not a big deal. I mean, you can't, you can't watch a TV show where there's not some casual sexual relationship happening. So it's, it's just downplaying the effect it has on our heart. Just downplaying, just pulling it back, and just making it, yeah, this is just common. This is common. You just, you sleep together. This is what happens. This is what you do. You want to get to know each other. I mean, the, you know, the, the show, it's a, a, the first day, but we're hoping that there was more there, but okay, cool, whatever. And we, we, we downgrade, we, we, we minimize, we lower what it, it is, and we, we joke about it. This is also talking about those of you that, that are like really great at taking anything, and I mean anything and making it sexual. You know, someone says something, and you're like, oh, you have some sexual joke. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying that shouldn't even, that shouldn't even be among us. That shouldn't even be who we are. You make everything sexual. Everything's a sexual joke for the light of, of humor of someone else. It's really, and a friend of mine said this a couple weeks ago, really that's just us wanting and desiring the, 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 the acceptance of the men or people around us as opposed to God when we say that stuff. Crude jokes, when we, when we, when we say those crude, gross things, no matter how, I mean, like, and we'll even, we'll even say things like, oh, well, dude, you totally teed it up. I had to go there. No, you really didn't. Like, your heart is wanting to be there. And that's why it's coming out of your mouth. And the Apostle Paul spent tons of time talking about our mouth, and we don't have time today to go into it as well. But he says filthiness, flippancy, taking things too loosely. Um, it, it's interesting. You know what he says? The opposite of filthiness and, and flippancy, when we were working through the two opposites, it kind of makes sense that he would say holiness or purity. No, he, he doesn't. He says thanksgiving. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that, that the opposite, as we've been working through the kind of the parallel, the old self, new self, that the new self version of all of this sexual immorality and everything else isn't holiness or abstaining, it's thanksgiving. Why? Well, because, let's, let's be honest, if, you're, if, you, if you covet sex, which is just essentially, I didn't even cover it, but it's essentially just saying, um, in general, it refers to an unrestrained sexual greed, whereby a person assumes that others exist for his or her own gratification. That sounds about right with pornography, right? When you, when you covet, when you desire, when you, when you seek out these sexual relations, you're not thankful. You're not thankful for what you have in God. You're not thankful for who he's made you. Some of you, you're not thankful for your brides, and it's just, it's just wrong. You're, you're, you're lacking thankfulness. It makes perfect sense that the opposite is thanksgiving, not holiness, although holiness is we were called to as well. We got that. He goes on and says that, that anyone that, is, is, that practices, that is, is a lifestyle marked by immoral, immoral thinking or impurity or any of these other things, this individual it does not, has no place in Christ or God's kingdom. He's essentially saying the kingdom here on earth that we are partaking in today and the future kingdom. And so he's saying, those that, that practice this, and I'm not talking about those of you, because right now, I mean, all of us would be like, wow, we, we struggle with this, so we're all out. No, no, no. What I'm talking about is those that say, you know what, I don't really care what the scriptures say. I'm going to keep sleeping with her. You know what, I, I don't really care what the scriptures say. I'm not, I'm not going to submit myself to those. It just doesn't feel right. So he says, look, you have no place in the kingdom of God. You deserve the wrath of God, the, 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 the poured out judgment for sinfulness. You deserve that. 
You will get that. You will walk in that. Now, those of us that struggle with this, those of us that are battling with this, that's a drastically different thing. Those that just continue to say, oh, I don't care. And you, you know, you have friends like this. They don't, they're not surrendered, surrendered to the Lord. They sleep with anything that moves. They're just living sexually immoral, immoral lives. And then he goes on, and this is one of the scriptures that I think has plagued, plagued the church as a whole. This is why I think we are so, dare I, like quotation, accepting of so many different lifestyles that aren't designed by God. We're accepting of premarital sex. We're accepting of adultery. We're accepting of pornography. We're accepting of homosexuality. We're accepting of all of these things that weren't in the created order. Look, look, I'm not talking about loving individuals. The church sucks at doing that. I'm not talking about the fact that we are called to love every individual, right? But this is the way it's guys right here. You ready for this? You are, you are not, let no one deceive you with empty words, right? We have been deceived so many times by empty words because we guys, we, we hide it behind, well, that's just not loving enough. Or shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't I get happiness too? Well, why, can't, why can't I get what I want? Why this is this so exclusive? How dare you? How dare you? And we allow those empty words to start navigating our life and say, well, wait, oh, well, okay, yeah, I, I guess I, I need to be more accepting and I, I, guess I, I guess I need to be okay with this because they love each other and obviously they're practically married anyways. They're just, just, just a matter, I mean, it's just a piece of paper. Empty words, empty words. I have so many people, comparatively few Christians would take um, this to extremes, but many say that intercourse outside of marriage, occasional recreational sexual experience and same-sex practices are to be welcomed and celebrated by Christians. Okay, well, let's just, let's just run that through the way that God created it. Now, now, do we need to be jerks to those people? No. We need to love them, whether they're struggling with premarital sex, adultery, or just bouncing from person to person to person, or whether it is same sex. Listen, guys, empty words have made us, like have crippled, crippled us because I'm a, I'm a bigot if I stand for what God created. I, I'm... I'm I'm obviously not loving enough because God created us this way with these purposes and this is what sex was for. But anything outside of that, if I say, well, wait, hang on, God, God is, is telling me that this isn't the way it's supposed to be, well, how dare I stand in that gap? Well, you know what's interesting about this scripture? Right after he says this, he calls us children of light. Why does he do that? He says, okay, well, two things. We're, we're called to be light in this world. We, we know this. That's, that's salt and light. We're there. But he actually says that we are to walk in this light. We're to walk in this. And remember, the word walk is specifically as you go in your day-to-day -day basis, how you live. And then he goes down further and he says, look, we're not only to not take part in this. Now, people misuse this to say, well, I'm never going to eat dinner with this person that doesn't believe the same way I am. That's, you know what, that's just, that's just dumb, okay? Maybe there's some people that you need to distance yourself from because it's unhealthy for you. You can't seem to, you can't seem to stand true in that. But, but more often than not, you're, you're, you're actually supposed to be holding a feast with them like Jesus was with the tax collectors. Right, like, come on, let's, let's interact, let's do this. What he's speaking about is actually that what, what we said at the very beginning, that should not be named among you as is proper for the saints. What he's saying specifically is, is that outsiders who observe the daily behavior of Christians should never have an opportunity to name one of these vices as characterizing their lifestyle. So what he's saying is that we in the church shouldn't be characterized by this. It shouldn't be, oh, you know, there's Brent, he's, you know, he's, he's a believer of Jesus, but man, that dude just loves porn. Like, no, we are not to be characterized by that. We, we are not to be characterized by these things. They're not to be named among us. In fact, then he goes on, he says, he says, you know what children of light are supposed to do? We're supposed to expose them. And we don't like that. We're not supposed to go to someone that doesn't know the Lord and say, here's all the ways you're sinning, you need the Lord. That, that's worked out really well for the church in the past, hasn't it, guys? No, he's speaking specifically to one another. 
So when your brother, you're sitting at lunch and you're sitting there having it, he's like looking this girl up and down and staring at her butt and won't even focus on you. Expose that. Hey, how's, how's your marriage going, bro? How are, you, how are you defending your eyes? Like the emotional electricity or even the danger of an illicit or casual relationship may be exciting, but the excitement is of the same sort as you'd get from drug like cocaine or heroin. It promises the earth but ends up killing you, if not physically, then most certainly emotionally. There's, 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 it's actually, you know, pornography they've, they've said is more addicting than heroin. So why in the world would we dabble with it? I don't think many of us are like, well, I just want to try cocaine today. Let's just see if it happens. Let's see what happens. Methamphetamines, let's just give them a go. No one really ever goes into it with that intention. But it controls you. And sexually, we are being controlled by the flesh and the enemy. I have so much more to say, but we are way out of time. Um, and so I'm going to end with this. For those of you that are single, look for a spouse who will partner with you for life, for the gospel, and the ministry of reconciliation. Don't look for someone that looks good. Oh, I just want something that's hot. Like, look for someone that really, really wants to make much of the gospel. Those of you that, that struggle, like, just a very, very basic principle. I had a mentor tell me a long time ago, like, you are going to notice an attractive person. That is normal. That's the way God created you. You're going to notice it. Instead of lusting after that person, pray for that person. God, thank you for creating her in your image. May I and every other guy that interacts with her treat her the way that she is supposed to be treated. It's really hard to lust after a girl after you pray that over her. There are so many areas. And so I wanted to end, as I know this is a very, very, very difficult subject. Um, the, the Apostle Paul kind of ends this with, he says, you know, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He's, it's kind of a, 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 a version of Isaiah 60. Some say it's kind of an old hymn that was, that was taught in, in early literature. Either way, um, it's, it's a call to those that aren't of Christ to awake, awaken to their own. They're, they're asleep. They're not, they're not aware of what's going on. And then the other thing um, we wanted to do today is we wanted to do communion. And communion is, is one of the things that we, we would like to do it more regularly, but it's one of those things I don't want to just kind of walk into without intentionally, like, paying attention to what you're doing. And so um, communion is, 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 is a part of our covenantal relationship with God. And I think it's, on a day like this, the reason why I want to do it is because I think more often than not, if, I, if you guys leave here feeling like, man, I just need to be as moral as possible, and it's not centered on the gospel, that's suicide. We, we, can't just, we can't just strive for morality apart from the, from the good news of Jesus Christ. We, we, have, we have to see it in light of that. And so what better thing to do than to do not forget. That word is where we get our word amnesia. We do this in remembrance of me. It's, it's literally don't forget what I've done for you. And so for those of us that have surrendered to Jesus as Lord and, and he's our king and we are in the middle of this, whether we're struggling. I mean, like right now you're like, man, I don't, I'm, I'm questioning whether I'm struggling or if I'm just given into. Wherever you are, if you are a child of God, you are redeemed, you are a new self, you are a new creation, and he has, he, you, cannot, you cannot escape his grab. And so maybe for, for you, whether it's you've been struggling a lot or you're struggling a little, maybe for you it's just, just remembering what Christ did for you, how Christ died for that addiction to porn or for that premarital sex or for that imagery that you can't seem to get out of it. Christ died for... Honestly, Christ died for the individual on the other side of the screen that you might be masturbating to. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's just time to, to, to go to the table and say, you know what, God, I, I just need more than ever to remember what you've done for me with the, the, the absolute beautiful promise that comes from communion for those that are following Jesus Christ. It's not just what he's done for you. It's the promise of what he's going to do. He is going to make all things new. You will not, for the rest of eternity, be wallowing in this enslavement or struggle to f fight against your flesh. You will be fully 
freed from it in Christ. And so maybe, maybe you need to go back and just, and just do that. If you, the, the most beautiful thing about this is it's a reminder of the covenantal relationship we have with God, which is here, here's the difference between a covenant and a contract. A contract is, is, is built on, on, on mutual distrust. I'll hold this up if you hold up your end. A covenant's built on mutual trust, mutual submission. It's that I'm all in. Whether you fail or come to the table or not, I am not stopping. You know what Jesus did for us or God did for us through Jesus? Is he, he, he upholds the covenant relationship between you and I and him. So no matter how far you've fallen, no matter how much you mess up, that covenant is still intact because it's not about what you do. It's about what he has done. And so we're going we're gonna to take some communion. We're also going to have um, just, we only did one song on the front, so we just have extended time of worship on the back. And I'm going to have safe individuals standing at the backs of the rooms if you need to be prayed for, if you need um, prayer for healing in this, whether it's um, accountability, whatever you need. We have people that I have asked to be in the back of the room for that. And the band's going to come up and we will worship. And at any point, you're free to go and take communion. Um, and, and then I would just ask those of you that are in the backs of the room right now, if you could work yourself to a seat so that people could have space to have that as well. Um, thank you for uh, letting us go into this subject today, God. Guys, I, I, I know that God is going to do something um, miraculous in our hearts for those of us that submit our ways to him. I've been challenging you with maturity. I've been asking you guys to, to step into ways that maturity. And one of the ways that God's going to mature you is, 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 is sexually. And so some of you right now, that means like it's a, it's a blatant, like you got to throw off the old self and submit to Christ as a whole. And some of you, it's, it's man, I've, I, have, I have succumbed to the idea that I'm just going to live the rest of my life addicted to this. I have succumbed to my idea. Some of you in, in marriage, let me just say this right now. If, if, if you are in a marriage relationship and, and, and sex is bad, and I mean like bad, it is like, it is a fight, it is not good, there is all kinds of just dissension there, and there's, there's manipulation or control, and it's just a battle, get help. That is, that is a, a work of the enemy in your life, because he's trying to keep you from the intimacy that you were, you were created for, the way it was created to be. Don't just succumb to, well, you know, I just don't feel like it. I just don't, it's not about you, it's about you're together in this. You are to serve one another with an open conversation. And my bet is, as a lot of you, and let me just say this, and we're way over time. Let me just say this. If you're struggling to have intimacy physically in your marriage, it's because there's no intimacy emotionally or verbally. Okay? If you're, if you're struggling, if there's no physical intimacy, it's because there's not intimacy in other areas. And so, so get help with that. And we have individuals to pray for you. Let me pray. God, went way too long, but I pray that the words would have not been um, extra, but would have been words that your Spirit's using in each individual's life. God, I pray as we, as we just worship, as we spend time in communion, as we look at what it means to um, follow you with our lives, God, I pray right now, I pray that you just break us free of the shackles. I get this visual of, of individuals in here that have been freed by you, that the chains are broken off, they've, they've walked out of the cellar, and they're standing in the light with you, God, and they, they shrink back and go back and try and put chains on with like zip ties. And I don't even belong there, God. And so I just pray that we would walk in this freedom. For the individuals that are addicted to porn, God, I pray that you'd remind them that you are stronger than that addiction. God, for the individuals that have no intimacy in their marriage, God, I pray that you'd break in and bring about intimacy. For the individuals that aren't married and are just so desired to be married, God, would you give them the strength and the ability to walk in a way that would bring honor to the marriage that you have for them in the future. And God, for the individuals that continually, continually seek their own self-gratification when it comes to anything physically, God, would you wreak havoc on their hearts? Would you help them see the individuals that they are, they are either struggling to masturbate or lust after or whatever it may be? Would you help them see as people that are created in your image? Someone's daughter, someone who, who Jesus died for to bring grace to. 
God, for the individuals that have been abused in this, would you free them? Would you free them from the pain of that abuse and remind them that despite someone else's sinfulness, you are still good and you can still redeem. God, I refuse to believe that we are, we are a lost cause. No one is a lost cause. Your grace is sufficient to reach to the most pathetic of us in our minds, God. And you still deem us as your children and righteous and holy and blameless. As we take communion, God, we remember what you did for us, how you went a perfect, 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 perfect person to the cross to die in place of me so you could take the wrath that I so deserve for all my sexual immorality and impurities and greed. God, we thank you for your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.